Good evening to our neighbors and listeners coming to you from the 215 here in Germantown. You are listening to the award-winning InfoHub Hour with Rashida Jamu, a.k.a. Philly's Freedom John. Hey, Rashid. I'm Maleka Fruin here with Bayou, a nine-month-old baby. I live here in Germantown with my family. Germantown InfoHub Hour is all about news and engagement in Germantown. You can check out what's going on by visiting our website, at GermantownInfoHub.org. Now let's get to our show. Sadly, there's been a surge of tragic events surrounding gun violence in the city in the past few months. As reported by the Philadelphia PD, there have been over 145 homicides this year, which is a 6% increase in where we were last year. And sadly, Germantown has been no exception to this with situations being reported on Newhall Street, Earlham Terrace, Sharpneck Street, and few more too many. You know what, Rashid, you're right. And it's definitely been too many situations in our neighborhood. And there's a need for solutions to bring an ease to this violence. And today we're going to speak to some of the organizers of an event happening this Saturday. It's a peaceful call to action in response to recent tragedies. First, you'll hear me speak to Jasmine Hawkins of Urgent 365 who had the idea to put an event like this together after a town hall to address the violence. And then I'll be in conversation with recurrent friends of the show, Clayton Justice and Joe Budd of Men Who Care, who are collaborating as supporters and sponsors on this event. So today we will be focusing on this event and the need for it, not only in our neighborhood, but the general Philadelphia community. So without any further delay, let's get on with the show. Tom, roll the tape. Hi, we are here with Jasmine Hawkins. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. So Jasmine, let's just start with, um, just tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do in this world. Great, Um, yeah, so my name is Jasmine Hawkins. I consider myself a strategic creator. Um, And what that means is I help leaders and communities unpack and uproot unhealthy habits, mindsets, and narratives in order to tap into their identity and unleash their God-given potential. And so I've been fortunate to be able to do that in different lanes. Um, One, I'm an educator. I spent 10 years teaching high school English. Uh, Two, I'm a writer. In 2015, I published a poetry chapbook called Urgent Conversations, which leads to three, my nonprofit, Urgent 365, which derived its name from Urgent Conversations. Um, And so the hat that I wear in this space of community work is, um, you know, community organizer, president of Urgent 365. Well, that is a lot. (laughs) There's like so many creative things that you're doing and also so many organizing things you're doing. And I am interested in the community organizing work that you're doing. Tell, tell us a little bit about Urgent 365. So Urgent 365 is a nonprofit. Um, We officially incorporated in 2018 and we exist to close the opportunity yet for black and brown youth and young adults in pursuit of personal and professional growth. And so right now our focus has been on post-secondary transition. We partner with schools, like we're at Gratz, for example, doing a, um, a weekly program called Passion to Profit, where we work with juniors and seniors to help them figure out their life after high school and figure out how to turn their passions into a profitable business. Um, and then we also do 
do one thing I'm like most excited about an annual trunk party drive for high school seniors who are college bound seniors of color. And um, we hold a college panel for them. We give them each $250 book awards, um, laptops for those who don't have them and an essential starter kit with like sheets, um, comforters, what do you call it? Lamps and all the things to get them set up like and a good start for college. That is just so tangible too. Just like really necessary things that you need to get started on your next journey. Yeah. But Jasmine, I want to know this. What what made you create a nonprofit? You said you were a writer, you're an educator. I can see a lot of themes coming up, but tell me more about what actually drove you to this. Uh, this is a great question um, because what's funny is I never... So there's two versions. One, when I was first looking at colleges, and I often forget this part of the story. Um, So back, let's say 17, 16, I remember looking at colleges and being interested in nonprofit work. And then I like went to school and forgot all about that. (laughs) Studied um, English in school and communications at the University of Pittsburgh and went into my teaching career. So it wasn't until um 2016 actually when I was teaching um you know full-time but I had launched my poetry book in 2015 and started doing shows and events and workshops outside of school um that's when I realized one that there was something more like I, I felt it for a while but it was like you said more tangible to me um having like seen myself outside of the classroom and in 2016 we launched an event called meeting of the sexes And it was an opportunity to have urgent conversations about all things relationships. (laughs) And right. And we um, we rolled 100 percent of that money into community like work. And so like in 2017, we ran Meeting of the Sexes quarterly. In 2018, we expanded it to D.C. Um, But every time we did it, 100 percent of the the um, money went into like um, partnering with other nonprofits who like fed the homeless or at one time we sent money down to Houston after Hurricane Harvey to one of the schools a friend of mine was the principal of so we literally just found ourselves um, doing community work with what we were generating and so after a couple years of that it was like why don't we sit back and figure out strategically like who is it that we want to help all of the people who are organizing? And like, at this point, it it was clear that we had like a nonprofit energy if we were thinking about business entities, because we're just doing this community work over and over again. Right. And it sounds like you're connecting a lot of the different things that you had already been interested in. Yes. Yes. Including educating the youth, which seems to be the root of a lot of it. Yes. When we sat down in 2018, Um, Well, the the end of 2017 to plan for 2018, um, we started with like, who's our audience? Who do we want to help? And of course, me being a teacher, I'm like youth. I always taught high school, so I prefer the older (laughs) youth. Um, And then... the other people on the team, one was working in social work. And so we also said we were going to, at that time, help mothers in transition. So we had throughout 2018 and into 2019 partnered with Woodstock Family Center, which is a shelter in North Philly and ran like workshops for the moms, um, programs there, um, took them on a field trip with their children. And uh, then in 2020, we kind of sat back and really um 
streamlined more because we had all these different things going on. We had meeting of the sexes over here. We had the youth over here and the women over here. And that's kind of when we started the process of like narrowing in. And so now we know that our focus is youth and young adults. You know, I think a lot of people did that in 2020. They, they reflected, they were inspired. And I think a lot of people understood where they wanted to go. Yeah. Now let's fast forward. We're in spring of 2022. Yes. A lot of things happening in Philadelphia. We know this. You are one of the main organizers for what I hear is called the Reviving the Village Unity Fair and Community Walk. Yes, yes. And one thing, and I, I definitely want you to be able to talk about that. But one thing I thought that was really interesting, both me and my colleague, we, we saw so many different nonprofits and so mm-hmm. many different grassroots organizations coming together to work on this event. Tell yes. us a, li- a little about that collaborative process, because I don't see that as often, so many groups coming together. Yes, yes. And it's so needed. I think even part of the reviving the village is getting back to the sense of community, being in community with one another, collaborating and establishing that we don't have to work in these silos behind screens (laughs) like we've been forced to do. Um, But one thing that jump-started, it was a beautiful, unfortunate storm. Um, So I know my version of what is now the Reviving the Village Fair started with a nonprofit idea I got back in um, October, late October, after attending state rep Kenzie's gun violence forum, I like went home and I felt very heavy about like, I know we have these conversations, but what can we do? Like I was really heavy with that. And I came up, I feel like God gave me honestly an idea, um, which was a nonprofit there. And so I started by sharing it with three community organizers that I knew. And so that would be um, Boogie Rose. Her organization is Society's Roses. She's one of the organizers for Reviving the Village. Um, Kyle, the conductor, his organization is the Eco Foundation. Um, He's out in West Philly. And then um, I call him Mr. Parker because we used to work together at Gratz, but his name is Robert Parker. And he's the... um, he's the principal of boys Latin um, middle school. And so I shared it with them because I I knew them, I trusted them. And I was like, let me just share this vision. And it also would like hold me accountable um, if I shared it with somebody. And so, uh, you know, they gave input, they gave like suggested timelines. They told me what they had the capacity to do or not to do. And so that was really like the launch for me. And then unfortunately in January 14th of this year, um, a teenage woman was killed literally it like behind my house. I heard the shots. It sounded like it was in my backyard. Like that's how close it was. And the next day, a young man named Nasir Shaqui, and he's also a part of the leadership team. His organization is 17 with life. He called the community gathering because we all live in this neighborhood and we're like, this is not okay. And so that next day, um, is it this neighborhood? Is it Germantown, Mount Airy? Yeah, it's, it was Sharkneck and Rawls. So it's technically Mount Airy, mm-hmm. um, East Mount Airy. And a lot of the organizers that are now on the leadership team responded to that call. We came, we prayed, we talked. And, you know, I had already had this thing that I had been working on, you know, on the side. I hadn't known. I maybe knew one 
person for sure. And I heard of like another person, but I was like, look, like I have this thing. I'm tired of talking. Like if you were trying to, you know, move forward, like take my number. And so we exchanged numbers. So at the event, it was like Sharice Acres with We Heard You. Um, it's a mentoring program, Social Impact Cafe. That's Erica Stewart, uh, Food and Basic Needs, um, serving youth and families. And um, a couple of politicians were out there as well, but both Sharice, Erica, and I, Sarah, all on the leadership team. Um, also, some like non-nonprofits where they're like Overflow Event Center run by Carlin Jones. She's been on the team helping us out. Um, and so we kind of came together from that moment. They already had a town hall planned like the week after that. So like all of our things just came together and literally we've been rocking out ever since we met um, men who care at the town hall. Once again, I announced what I was working on and Joe was like, we have to connect and we've been connected ever since. So you just were the excited catalyst person that said all of you organizers who have been doing this work, let's come together. And what what key why reviving the village why unity fair why community walk yeah so um well joe would clarify that we've we've since evolved the name to peace walk because it's definitely a stand against the the violence that we're seeing in our city and um that's been collaborative so when we first came together like i shared what my vision was a lot of people on the team actually had a vision um i know carla bell who i didn't mention out of um pleasant playground she also had a vision for a unity fair when i shared it with the men who care they were like we literally have been thinking about this for years and so we spent a lot of time in those first couple of meetings like building community with one another because we didn't know each other and so establishing a vision establishing a mission establishing norms um, fleshing out like, okay, it's like, this is what I envisioned, but what do you guys envision? And so like, we've added so many elements to what I process. Yeah. Thank you. We added so many elements to what I like originally, um, thought about. And so the name reviving the village was also a part of that process. Like we threw out names because, um, Boogie and I were like, no more talk street fair. Like it needs to be a street fair for the streets. Um, and you know, Joe was like, ah, but if you want, you know, a certain number of people, like a certain, um, perhaps demographic of people to come out, you need, you know, a name that's more, um, perhaps welcoming to the older crowd. And so we just brainstormed in like two meetings. And finally, I think it was Clayton who threw out like, what about reviving the village? And everybody was like, that's perfect. And so we went from there. And then the Unity Fair, um, it's really us, like, cause our tagline is unite, engage and activate. So the unity is really just, um, uh, I guess, encompassing that. And what about the strength of the community walk? Yeah. Um, so what's been powerful actually is one of the things that, um, Nasir has spearheaded since the town hall in January was a fairly weekly boots on the ground walk where we walk through the neighborhood. We always walk past the route where the young lady was killed and we stop and we pray there. Um, and then, you know, we go back, we start at Pleasant and we go back to Pleasant kind of do like a, a little square and we pray at the place she was killed and we pray at the end and it's interfaith because we're all different belief systems um, in the group. And so that's really beautiful. But what's been powerful about that walk, which is why um, I fully loved when Joe wanted to add that to, to the unity fair is we walk through the streets 
And um, Nasir started a chant, which says, stop all the killing, do more healing. Mm-hmm. And we literally see like one, one of the, like the first two times we were doing the walk, we were walking by in the middle of a domestic dispute, like a man and a woman had come out the house arguing. He was like basically chasing her. He had his fist balled up. He was mad. And we we're walking down cheering, like do more healing. And the lady just stopped at the corner and started cheering with us. And the, um, the young man or yeah, he started walking around. He walked away from her and you could tell he was angry. And I was like, it's okay, bro. And he's like, I know it's going to be okay. But it's like, we literally watched the words, the positivity, like penetrate the airways and shift something right in front of us. Because even if it was just for that moment, like it it stopped whatever was happening between them and they were able to like engage and think about healing and I think she ended up like walking down the street away from him um so we've seen like we've also walked and had like you've joined us because we give out um Sharice and I prepare care packages for for the youth so like it may have masks or a stick of gum or candy and so we watch them come and walk with us and cheer and like see what we have for them this week and so it's been so beautiful and so seeing what that's done like for the community, people joining us, people cheering, people asking like, you know, when do y'all walk? When can I join? And feeling that like sense of like really a revived sense of hope has been so beautiful, like on a small scale. And so to be able to symbolically do that, both like, because we're we're not just walking, but we're symbolically guiding the community to resources. At the end of this is a fair, at the end of this is a place for you to connect with resources that exist in our community and engage in like so many fun things. Um, but then also like from minding us while we're here, like making sure we have a mirror healing center there with Shante Love. And so she's going to make sure that we say the names of lives that we have lost over the past couple of years. Um, and, you know, letting the community know that we're not okay with what's happening and we're taking a bold stance against it, but we're coming with resources. I fully believe that we have what we need in a community to heal our communities. But one part of it is just a matter of connecting the residents with the resources. I am so glad that you just shared that story. Thank you so much. It really is just this manifestation, this physical manifestation that you can see of this reviving the village idea for this unity fair and this and this walk. I can yeah. see I can see the vision. Thank you. And I actually I wanted to go back before we talk more maybe about the vision very quickly. I think that um, people do find it hard to collaborate and to think about all the different things that go along with having a unity fair, having this kind of community service and community activism work come in. And so just talk a little bit about that process. How did you hash it out? A little bit more because you know I've no I'm I'm noticing that you're you mentioned intergenerational kind of right. ideas and concepts and I think that just from the organizing work we've done at Germantown Info Hub I've noticed that that is a big part of it. Yeah, yeah, yes. Um, it it definitely took a lot of work, a lot of conversations. We've been meeting weekly since January, like. They first came to see, like, you know, what I was talking about. And then it was like, well, are you free the same time next week? <laughs> and so we've been meeting ever since. Um, we started in the first meeting by breaking everything into buckets. So we know, like, we're going to need marketing. We know that we're going to have, like, logistics. Um, we know that we're going to need um, food. We added 
from my original vision, entertainment. We know we're going to need security. And so we started by breaking it into buckets and seeing like which leadership team member could begin to work within different buckets. And I believe in the beginning we had about 11 buckets. Um, and maybe I think we started with seven team members. We're up to like 14 now. And so I think that made it easier for people to, <laughs> to identify their lanes. Um, so some people were like, you know, they have experience planning events. Like I'm making sure that you're on the logistical conversations. Other people are like, look, I am he I'm not administrative at all. If you need something picked up or delivered, let me know. And so like those would be the people delivering our sponsorship package and, and picking picking up um our gift cards and things like that. And so just finding I think some of our strengths and being able to fit in our lanes, but then also being willing to like bring in more people because I know I definitely got overwhelmed at some point. And so like my board member has uh Janet Wema, she has uh tons of experience. She used to work for the American Kidney Fund and it was her job to go to different cities and plan like a kidney action day. So it's like, sis, I need you. <laughs> so bringing in like help when we needed it as well has been helpful as well. Those are really good organizational tips for real. I think that's really helpful. And it also sounds like some emotional intelligence thrown in. So give thanks for that. (laughs) Well, let's, let's wrap this up by giving folks the vision. What's the Mm -hmm. vision that if, if you, if you all, your collective had a ideal vision of what came out of this? Yeah. Yeah. So And my ideal vision, um, everybody's leaving and I've been charging all of the, we've been having overview um, meetings with the orgs and the volunteers. Everybody needs to leave having made a connection. Like this should not be a place where you come and grab a piece of paper that you probably won't look at after you leave the event. And so I know we've set up things in a way to kind of ensure that those connections are made. Um, So, for example, when people register on Eventbrite, they're telling us what their needs are. They're checking. I'm looking for mental health. I'm looking for parenting programs. I'm looking for faith outlets. When they arrive at the event, we're giving them a roadmap of what tables they should stop at based on the needs that they identify. And then as an extension of that, when they go to the tables, um, the organizations and vendors will have raffle tickets, blue raffle tickets. Um, And so after they make a connection with the tables, the orgs will give them a blue raffle ticket and they can use those raffle tickets to buy, quote unquote, purchase things at the event. So you can purchase free food, you can purchase a free haircut, you can purchase um, a pony ride, all with the raffle tickets because you made a connection. And so we've been very intentional about um, how we're setting this up to make sure that people do use the event for what it was intended for, which is to meet the resources and find out about the programs, but also to do it in a space that's uplifting. We have entertainment. um, So, you know, there'll be music, there'll be performances and it'll be joyful but I think if I had to sum it up like I want people to be aware and I want people to be connected beyond this event so everybody is charged with continuing the the both the connection and the the conversations after we leave thank you and Jasmine people can find out more about reviving the village unity fair and community walk on social media Yes, on Instagram, we are Reviving the Village PHL because we hope to rotate this around the city. And um, 
If you want to register, which we're asking people to pre-register because you're still going to have to register on site. So it's easier to do in advance. And that's at revivingthevillage.eventbrite.com. And then we have a couple more spaces for um, nonprofits. That will close Wednesday, though, but um, they could go to urgent365.org slash fair to learn about everything. Thank you so much for joining us today. And good luck this week. Thank you. Once again, that was Jasmine Hawkins. And before Rashid speaks with men who care, they will give a quick roundup of things happening in and around the neighborhood that may be of interest to our neighbors. Thank you for that, Maleka. So first up, the Friends for the Restoration of the Germantown YWCA building, they wanna hear from you because they believe residents deserve a say in the future of their neighborhoods. They wanna know what your ideas for the best use of this historic building in our community could be. They would also like to know what factors community members think are important to you in choosing a developer. The Friends Group also wants to see if you or your family has a past connection to the Y with memories to share. They ask that neighbors take a brief and simple survey, which can be submitted anonymously, to tell them what your views are and to make your voice heard on Germantown's past, present, and future. After the survey closes, the combined confidential survey results will be shared with the community and sent to their elected officials, well, our elected officials, and the Philadelphia Redevelopment Authority. The Friends Group believe that residents deserve a say in the future of Germantown. The neighbors can take this survey at https colon slash slash bit.ly slash gtown ywca survey. And secondly, the first mappening on Maplewood Mall of the 2022 year is happening this Saturday at its usual at its usual location on Maplewood Mall, <laughs> directly next to Armat Street off of Germantown Avenue. And if you're not familiar with that event, it's just a series of Saturdays throughout the mid-spring into the fall where the friends of the mall invite vendors, entertainers, and neighbors to gather on the commercial strip to be in good company and just have a good time. So I encourage folks to go out and do some shopping and get some good food and listen to some sounds from Karen Smith, who will be there playing the drums. And the event will run from noon to 6 p.m. And we will let you know when there are more happening. And last but not least, this Sunday, the Germantown Fridge will be hosting their Mayday party from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m at 20 West Armat Street in front of their founding fridge, which is in front of the Green Street Friends School. There will be food, toiletries, menstrual supplies, baby items, and pet items that neighbors can take with them. And they can also have resources, including some from the Germantown Info Hub, there for neighbors to take as well. And we look forward to seeing all of our folks there. I am so glad to hear all of that, Rashid, especially uh, about this weekend. We have a really packed weekend. We're going to be at the Germantown Fridge, as you said, and hopefully stop at this unity walk that we're going to be talking about. And there is a fun things happening that we hope neighbors will commune and have fun together. And now we'll hear you in conversation with Joe Budd and Clayton Justice regarding this Saturday's Reviving the Village event. Roll the tape. All righty, so Joe Bud and Clayton Justice, welcome back to the InfoHub Radio Hour. How are you both doing today? Doing great. Great, great. 
Excited. Absolutely. So for folks who don't know y'all, um, you're a part of Men Who Care, a community group, right? So tell me about the group and what y'all do. All right, I'll, I'll take that. Uh, we're Men Who Care of Germantown. Uh, we're a community-based organization. We started uh, 11 years ago now. We just did our 10-year anniversary last year, and we serve the community, plain and simple. So we work with seniors. We work in education in three schools. We're in Emlyn Roosevelt, Martin Luther King, mentoring to our young people. We give away food. We do food distribution every Saturday in the community. Our mainstay is educating our children um, and addressing the gun violence right now. So um, we do a little bit of it all to serve our community wherever we need it. Uh, but we feel very, very strongly about education and getting our kids educating. This model we use all the time is catch them before the streets catch them. Clayton can elaborate a little more. Yeah, just to uh, you know, add to what Joe is saying, I mean, essentially, um, we are a grassroots organization in the heart of Germantown, looking at the needs of the community and trying to meet those needs and meet people where we are and understand that right now, one of the major crises, not only in the Germantown community, but all over the city and this country is the escalation of gun violence. And so that wasn't really our wheelhouse initially. Our wheelhouse really was focused on empowering kids to make more positive decisions with their life through youth advocacy. And that's why we decided to go into the schools because that's where kids are. I mean, one of the models that we go by in terms of our gun violence initiative is understanding that every shooter that's out there on the street used to be in the school. And so we've come up with a triad approach to you know, combating gun violence through prevention, working with kids in school, like Joe said, the streets call them early so we can find nice interventions with them at an earlier age then we can begin to break some of these cycles. And then we do uh, intervention at the middle school and the high school level. We know that those are the times where the kids are most at risk and we try to get them on a career path of some sort to pursue something that they have a passion for and then provide those resources to them in real time. And then at the outreach level, it's seniors in high school and kids that are like, you know, kind of like in that gray area where they really don't know what they wanna do with their life and they don't have a path and these are the kids that are most at risk to, to succumb to, you know, things that are going on in the streets that are negative. And so our approach is prevention, intervention, and outreach. And that's something that we've done very highly effective. And that's a part of this initiative that we're going to talk to in terms of this event that we're having on Saturday, because we've gotten to a point to where we feel though enough's enough. And citizens, concerned citizens, have to roll up their sleeves and take it to the streets to ensure that we can have solidarity around this issue of gun violence and begin to make people that can really affect change take the responsibility to do more than that, that they're doing right now. I love the approach. Every time I speak to you, Clayton, specifically, I always hear the intervention and the prevention methods of outreach, um, specifically with kids. And so it always feels like that intergenerational aspect is always really important to you guys. And I think that that's like really major in organizing specifically and how irresponsible also of me to not actually have you both introduce yourselves. So Clayton, I've spoken to you before, so I know a little bit about you, but still there are new listeners who may want to know a little bit more about yourself. And Joe, I've never spoken to you before, so it would definitely be appropriate for you to just tell a little bit about yourself. My name is Clayton Justice. I'm the executive director of Men Who Care. 
I'm also a long-term Germantown native. Uh, my fam family moved to Germantown in 1963, and uh, I joined Men Who Care um, probably during the third year of its existence. One of the unique things about our organizations is that we all grew up together, all our families know one another, and we were guys who decided, you know, that we wanted to make a change in our community because we weren't the most solid, solid citizens back then. We were people who were not doing so much savory things in the community. And we felt as though, listen, you know, we've turned our lives around. You know, we're solid citizens. You know, we're stewards of our community. And we decided that we were going to come together and form an organization that was going to preserve and serve the community, but also try to build ambassadors for the community and create a legacy that's sustainable. And I am uh, Joe Bud, president, co-founder of Men Who Care of Germantown. Uh, we started in 2011. Um, I grew up in Germantown, went to Emlyn, Roosevelt, Martin Luther King, and Germantown High School, attended all of those schools. And um, just tell you a little story of how we got started. Uh, one of the guys we used to hang with back in the day in the neighborhood, uh, George Waters, he went to jail, came home from jail. He called me and said he wanted to get together, you know, with the old crew. I said, George, I don't hang out anymore. I'm in the church and all those things. I don't hang out anymore. But he said he, kept, he was very, very persistent about us getting together. So I had a building down at Morton and Top of Hocken. I said, George, meet me down at Morton and Top of Hocken. It was the old bar that we used to hang in. I bought the building. I met George down there. And within a month, we came together. He came up with the idea of, you know, doing something in the community. From that conversation, we said, well, we're not going to hang out, but let's do something in the community. So we decided to clean up lots. We called a lot of the old crew, see who was around, who really was interested in doing something positive in the community. And we started cleaning up lots. We started meeting at that old bar that we used to hang out in, that which is now our resource center where we have children come. Well, we had before COVID, children would come after school and do their homework and we would mentor them. Now that is our pantry, full-fledged pantry where we give out food. That was initially the bar that we used to hang out in. So um, we, we put together the whole crew of guys that grew up within a three block radius of Morton and Top of Hocken. And as Clayton said, our families, we all knew each other from the neighborhood. And it's such a blessing to come back and do something positive, even positive in the neighborhood that we were doing things not so positive in the past. So um, I, I have a heart and passion for our community because I believe that is our responsibility to come back and do what is necessary to build our community up. With 1.5 murders every day in Philadelphia, we have to make sure that we do something to combat the gun violence in our community. But um, that, I'm, I'm by profession, I'm a real estate salesperson. I sell real estate by profession. I'm married, I have five children, six grandchildren, and one great grandbaby. So that's all good stuff. So a lot of the stuff that I hear about this organization specifically is it kind of comes out of reflection and like what could have been done when you were younger, right? Or like the mistake, not necessarily the mistakes, but just the experience you had, right? Because, you know, you really can't take back anything that's done, but you can make things better in the present time. Um, so, and you were talking about how it's an obligation too, and a responsibility. Why so? 
<laughs> I, I think I think that you know the reviving the village uh, theme is we're all responsible for our community. I don't care who you are. If you live in a community, you're responsible for taking care of that community. And we got away from that as a people, as a country. You know, we got away from everybody looking to take care of everybody else. So we believe that it is our responsibility to take part in making our community better. One, one, you know, that is part of who Men Who Care is. You know, it's funny because when we came back together, we had to so-called weed out some things because a lot of people wanted to be involved. So that's one of the reasons we didn't get incorporated in the first three to four years, uh, because we had to make sure that the group we had was committed to the mission. The mission is the community, right? So we found like-minded brothers that were saying we have a responsibility and obligation to our community. So I think that that's what's given us longevity. And I think it comes from our family makeup, you know, like we care about our community. We care about one another out of a group of guys that ran the streets, ran the community. We found that same group to come together to care about the community. So we all believe it is our responsibility. And that's why it didn't matter whether we got money or didn't get money. We did it from the muscle. We did it with dues. We did it with fish fries, bowling parties and all that, because it's not about the money. It's about the compassion for the community. Mm -hmm. So just moving into this Saturday's event, um, the event is called Reviving the Village Unity Walking Fair. And from what I know, it is an anti-violence call to action. So just talk about the event overall and, you know, why'd you get into it? Why'd you actually want to get involved with this specific initiative with Urgent 365 and the other affiliates? All right, so... Uh, I'll give you a little background on how this happened. Um, we were recipients of that grant, the city grant, the CEG grant, and we were on a call with a bunch of other organizations that did not get the grant money. And they were trying to apply for money and stuff like that. And we, were, we just happened to be on the call and we saw the frustration of those organizations that did not get the money. So what we did, we reached out to those organizations, say, how can we support you guys? So we reached out to um, Nasir from 17 with Life. He does work out a pleasant playground in the Northwest. And he was having an event surrounding a young lady. You may have heard about the young lady that was murdered on Sharp Neck and Ross. He was having a town hall surrounding that. And we provided food for that event. And we wanted to support them. And we went. And when we got there, we saw a group of millennials, young people. We were like, wow, we got some young people, powerful people. And one of the young ladies stood up and said, I would like to have a community fair. We need to have a community fair, bringing all the communities, the community together. That was Jasmine Hawkins from Urgent 365. I said, we need her number. We got her number, spoke to her. And from that conversation that led into this whole community fair and us being a part of this engagement in our community that is, is really, I believe uh, that God is in the midst of bringing this whole thing together because everything started falling into place. And now we're on the cusp of having hundreds of people walking up Washington Lane to Martin Luther King High School First of all, honoring those mothers and fathers that have lost loved ones, speaking the name of those that were lost, and then bringing the community together in celebration around 
doing a positive work that no other mother, no other father, no other sister, no other brother has to go through that. We, our goal is to try to minimize or get rid of the gun violence in the city of Philadelphia, starting with the Northwest, Northwest by bringing community organizations, parents, schools, and everybody together in unity to fight this scourge on our city. So one of the things that I often hear um, that kind of relates to this specifically with this being a call to action, but then also having like that fear at the end, right? Where it's collaborative efforts, you're actually bringing things to people. A lot of times there are a lot of organizations or people who try to center conversations, which sometimes can be helpful in the, like when you think about even the pleasant playground conversation that happened, which helped you know, spearhead this specific initiative. Why do y'all think it's more important to have these like very action oriented um, events and calls to actions and things that are actually, you know, not necessarily actually going to, but bringing resources and bringing, yeah, actually bringing resources to people rather than just like having conversations. I think that oftentimes there are a lot of organizations that in their own right do fantastic work, but I think that we're all in silos. And believe it or not, there's a lot of members of the community that haven't heard of these organizations, don't know what their resources are, and don't know how to access those resources. And so one of the initiatives that the in our grant proposal was to, because this is what the city wanted us to do, is collaborate, come out of our silos, introduce ourselves to one another, but more importantly, try to find a very viable action-oriented way to introduce these resources and these community organizations to the community so they can know exactly who has what services that they may need and how to access them. So what better way is to bring everybody together in a community fair and basically they did something really, really smart. So when you, as an individual, when you registered to be at the event, you got a list of all the community organizations and all their services, and you got an opportunity to literally check off the services that you need or interested in. And once you get to the event, you'll be funneled right to those organizations and they'll be ready to provide those resources to you. So it's kind of like a way of empowering organizations to service community in a capacity to where they don't have to seek them out anymore. Because oftentimes you'll find community organizations just popping up just so that community can know who they are and what they do. And they were like, wow, where are you located? What do you do? We didn't even know you existed. So now we can bring all those organizations to one space, introduce community to them. And I think that overall, the resources that community organizations have will be taken advantage of and utilized. So it's kind of like a win-win. And then we get to create this collaborative amongst ourselves and figure out how or what our synergies are so that we can begin to support one another. And in some cases, even act as a referral source because lots of times we don't know what the other community organizations are doing. And just to piggyback on that a little bit, also for anyone that wants to volunteer or help out, they know these organizations, they can pick and choose which one that suits them, right? Because every organization, all of these nonprofits need volunteers. We need more manpower. We need uh, people that might have a certain skill, uh, social media or whatever, or donations. 
Somebody might want to donate. They can go through the list of organizations and say, I want to bless this organization. So this is a way for organizations to be out there and people know who they are and they can get more volunteerism to serve the community even better. Mm -hmm. It sounds strategic, right? It's making sure that like, it doesn't just fall in this one specific event, but then there's an impact after people leave the event, right? Right. Um, so in the interview that Maleka did with Jasmine that I got to hear, Jasmine revealed that Clayton, you actually came up with the name um, Reviving the Village. Is that correct? Yeah, so that has been our mantra for men who care for as long as I can remember. Um, because, you know, we recognize even in our own community and we're like, you know, the third generation of people that we know that grew up in our community. And to Joe's point, I remember when we were kids, I mean, you know, every single parent, every single child, it was family oriented. Everybody looked out for one another. And now that it seems like, you know, people don't speak, uh, people don't congregate, everybody keeps to themselves. And it's just our way of saying we need to get back to not necessarily our old ways, but who we are as a culture, as a community, you know, so that we can ensure that everybody's thriving. It's not just an individual problem because if it impacts the community, it's a community problem. So we want to get back to an identity that says that, you know, we are, our strength is in unity. And only way that you can have unity is if everybody begin to come back out in the streets and get to know one another and become true neighbors again. And that's our hope. So we can get engaged and get and become very intimate in the lives of our neighbors. And that way, as a community organization, we can better serve them. We can find the resources that they need and tap into them. Without those relationships, it's almost impossible. So Clayton, you've already tapped into some of those changes that you've seen over the years. Joe, do you have any that you've seen? changes yeah that you've seen in germantown because i'm from germantown as well and i i would have to agree specifically with the even this the intimateness and like even knowing your neighbor like i've lived places before my neighbors ain't even said hi to me i waved and nothing so, right. so yeah there's definitely a change and there's a change going on right now in germantown with gentrification we went through a change of home ownerships to renters now to a new flood of people coming in that are buying up properties. You know, how does a community work within the framework of gentrification in the community, right? And, and our minds is that, yeah, gentrification is happening, but we also have to make sure that the folks that are already there are taken care of, they're not displaced. Uh, we got a lot of seniors who own their homes for years. How do, how do they get taken care of in the midst of all of this building? You add up Germantown Avenue, you got 10-story buildings coming up all over the neighborhood, right on Pastorius and Baton, where we used to hang out on the corner. They got a six-unit apartment building going up right now. Matter of fact, that was the first lot that we cleaned up when we first started 11 years ago, right at Pastorius and Baton. And now they have a six-unit apartment uh, complex going up there. On Herman Street, they got apartments going up all over, all over the Northwest. So is gentrification good? Maybe, but we definitely have to make sure that the community that is there now is taken care of and getting something out of this newfound growth that we're finding in Germantown. Mm -hmm. But as far as changes, yeah, it's gone through a, quite a few changes in over the years, but we have to be active, visible, and aggressive in making sure that the people that are there are taken care of. Yep. 
And I would say from what I've seen a little bit, specifically in the last two years, I think that the last two years, while they've been difficult for some people, um, for a lot of people, not some people, but a lot of people, um, some of the things that have been good is to see more organizations, though y'all have been doing the work longer than other people have, grassroots organizations and nonprofits, you know, coming together or even just being founded for missions, of course, like, you know, food drives, kids basketball programs, mentoring programs, and so much more. And those have all been instrumental specifically during a um, pandemic. So on the flip side, right, how does it make you feel that men who care and other groups are, you know, a part of that? Just, you know, and helping and supporting each it's other. It's a blessing. It's truly a blessing. Um, you know, we've had, and Joe described, you know, immensely humble beginnings. Our work is done through passion and love. And, you know, we hope that, you know, we created an image through integrity and, uh, you know, uh, being decent and in order and inspired other community organizations to, you know, join us in providing the services that we don't provide. Because, you know, I mean, if it wasn't for the pandemic, we probably never would be a full-fledged food pantry. But because of the pandemic, we recognize that, you know, Germantown was experiencing a food desert like a lot of communities, and we had access to those resources. And after the pandemic was over, Cher approached us and said, listen, you guys did a fabulous job during the pandemic. Do you want to continue doing this? We said, absolutely, yes. You know, we had struggles getting into our schools, you know, for whatever reason, politics or whatever. But we kept pushing, kept pushing, kept pushing. Now we have a full-fledged mentorship program in all three of our schools, Emlyn Roosevelt and Martin Luther King. And we're changing lives and we're, re we're reaching these kids at a very early age. And more importantly, because of our longevity, we're able to Joe's point, help mentor some of these younger organizations to show them the way of how over time they too can get to where we are because these resources are much needed. And more importantly, people in this community, Germantown is still, I would say 70 to 65% African-American. Mm -hmm. the, or the community organization that need to serve that population need to look like them. And so it's a blessing to see that not only do you see the need, but you see where we can have true impact mm -hmm. and evoke true change and change our community in a way that we would like to. And also to Joe's point, even though we're experiencing this new renaissance of growth and expansion and capacity in Germantown, we have to ensure that the people that are here, that were here, have equity, that they share in this growth, they share in this new renaissance, they share in all of these new things that are coming to the community. Because, you know, the ugly part of gentrification is really displacement. Yeah. It's, it's really displacement. And because growth is good. Because Germantown used to be a bustling community. And if it could be like that and no one gets displaced and everybody can share in the equity, Germantown could be a utopia again. But to Joe's point, if we're not here making sure that none of these folks get taken advantage of, then you're going to see the ugly side of gentrification. And so that's why it's important for us to stay in the fight that we're in, usher in community organizations that are legit. That not chasing money, that they want to provide a viable opportunity to service people in this community. One of the things that we really do a great job is inventing anyone that comes to Germantown that want to service community in Germantown because everybody doesn't have the, the best intentions. And so we're able to, in some cases, expose, weed them out, 
and ensure that the people that are coming to our community have our community best interest at heart. Absolutely. So let's just give our neighbors some standard details and protocol about where they can show up at, what time they should expect things to happen, where they should show up, um, where it's going to end, things of that nature. Okay. Go ahead, Joe. Yeah, so so the walk is going to start at um, 9.30 at Roosevelt. So we'll be gathering at Roosevelt at 9.30. We will start the program at Roosevelt at 10, probably leaving Roosevelt around 10.15 to start walking up Washington Lane. When we get to Martin Luther King, uh, we will walk into live music and just celebratory. But the um, everything's going to kick off at 9.30. If one important fact, if you want to walk and you want to leave your car at Martin Luther King, we will have shuttle buses. E9 is providing shuttle buses. You leave your car at Martin Luther King, you get on a shuttle bus, it'll take you to Roosevelt. And then you can walk to Martin Luther King and your car will already be there. Should you get stuck and get to Roosevelt late and you want to just jump in the walk, you can leave your car at Roosevelt. The shuttle bus will bring you back to get your car. But there's a time limit on that, I think, two o'clock, one or two o'clock, you got to get back to get your car. So it is very important for people to know because a lot of people wondering, well, how am I going to get my car there? Come to Martin Luther King about nine, nine thirty at the latest, the buses will be leaving like every 10, 15 minutes to bring you to Roosevelt. So it's very important that people know that. Um, just wanted to shout out some of the partners of the event. Uh, we have Enon Tabernacle Baptist Church, Urgent 365. We heard you, Emir, Every Murder is Real, doing great work surrounding trauma. Uh, we have the um, Society of Roses, Martin Luther King Alumni Association, uh, Nicetown CDC. Uh, I forget this other one. They told me not to write and 17 with life social impact cafe i couldn't i couldn't see it on the fly <laughs> small but so all of those groups have come together we've been working diligently put this on they've been doing an excellent job with uh organization and bringing everything together it's going to be an awesome event we hope to see everybody there the main goal is bringing our community together to fight this gun violence in our community and to honor some of those families that have been impacted uh, by gun violence, let them know that we love them, we care, and we're praying for them. Because no mother should ever have to bury a child. No father should ever have to bury a child to gun violence. That should not happen in our community. And our goal is to make sure that people, and I got to say it again, 1.5 murders every day in the city of Philadelphia. That is outrageous. That is emergency status as far as I'm concerned. So the city need to uh, designate it as emergency status, uh, state of emergency, whatever they want to call it, to put money and resource into organizations that's doing the work on the ground to reach these young people, to catch them before the streets catch them. Yeah. Before they put a gun in their hand or start using drugs, we need to put programs in place. We need to get in these schools. That's one thing we've been saying and fighting for for years. Give us access to the school so we can have better access to our children. So everybody come out. 
If you can get a flyer and register, that would be good. If you have a community organization, register your community organization. We need to know who you are. That sounds good. And I just want to say thank you both again, Clayton and Joe, for joining us on the InfoHub Hour today. It's been a good conversation and very necessary for our neighbors to know. We are looking forward um, to Saturday. Um, and it sounds good. And the pleasure has been mine. And I wish you both well, okay? Thank you, bro. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you, everybody. Thank be you safe. so much for your we'll time. See y'all on Saturday. Yep. Yes, please come out on Saturday. It's going to be a great event, and uh, we are definitely going to take this opportunity to bring more opportunities and more resources to Germantown. So look for things to come. As Joe mentioned, we were awarded this money from the community expansion grant, and uh, we're going to be having anti-violent initiatives and programming throughout the calendar year. So look for upcoming programming in the months to come. That sounds good. And looking forward to it. And please reach out if you have any updates you want to give the Info Hub. And we are always looking forward to uplifting it, okay? Excellent. Thank you so much. Have a Thank great you. day. Have, have a great day. Y'all. Well, Germantown, it is about that time. If you have a story that you want to hear covered, please contact us at gtown.infohub at gmail.com. Or you can text InfoHub to 73224 to start asking us some questions. And additionally, we encourage listeners to text the equally informed Philly text line. Another program under Resolve Philly, which allows Philadelphians to gain access to information regarding Philadelphia's services. Equally informed Philly is a direct response to the COVID-19 pandemic. Their team works to bridge the information divide reducing barriers for vulnerable residents who need trustworthy information to live and thrive in Philly. They also invest deeply in underestimated voices and community storytellers. Equally Informed provides a community-driven print newsletter and the Equal Info line, a free bilingual English and Spanish question and answer texting service that also provides vetted local news and resources to subscribers. To start asking questions, you can text the word Equal info to 73224. Yes, yes, yes. And that is about it. Please remember that I am Rashida Jamu, a.k.a. Philly's Freedom John. And I'm Malika Fruin. And we want to thank our guests for joining us today. And thank you to our neighbors for listening and engaging, as always. And until next time, good night, Germantown.